I'm turning on the grill. Beep, boop. That's not the sound the grill makes. Hey there, Bun Buddies, and welcome to License to Grill, a Bob's Burgers podcast brought to you by Ultimate Tabletop Network. I'm your host, Zalza Zane, and with me is my partner and webmistress, Kim. And Wingman! That too. This week, we'll be discussing Season 1, Episode 12, Lobster Fest, enjoying a neither fish nor fowl burger, and testing our knowledge with trivia. With that out of the way, let's get on with the show. Lobster Fest aired on May 15th, 2011. It was written by Aaron Abrams and Greg Thompson and was directed by Bu Wan Lim. First appearances, there are two and a half. Two and a half. The first obvious one is Gretchen, Linda's hairstylist, who we meet pretty early on in the episode. She is voiced by Larry Murphy, who also does the voice of Teddy. We are also introduced to this just in, my name is Scott Baggs. Weatherman. He is voiced by Sam Sadir, who also does the voice of Hugo. Oh, that's cool. So again, we're getting (laughs) new characters, but the same voice actors, which is cool. The point five is for Miss LeBond's, because we see her in other episodes, but this is the first time she talks. I think it's the first time she's ever been named as well. Yeah, that might be true also. Do you know who does the voice of Miss LeBond's? Uh, somebody who only does it for this episode and then never again. <laughs> no, it's one of the core cast. It's H. John Benjamin who does the voice of Bob. That's cool. Yeah. We also learn the name of one of Louise's classmates. Nicholas. Nicholas. Poor Finn Nicholas, man. We'll, we'll get to that. And oh boy, Mr. Franz should get his license taken away. Well, he is self-certified. <laughs> so, so, so fun thing about counseling is that you can register to be a clinical counselor, but there's no actual college for counselors, which means that I can't get my license revoked. It's not like a doctor, right? Like if someone performs surgery on me and like leaves junior mints in my body cavity, it's a Seinfeld reference. I could sue that doctor and I could essentially get his license revoked because malpractice. Counseling, that college doesn't exist. We have an association. But no true true governing body? Pretty much. So an association means people can complain, but it's not like, basically anyone can say that they're a counselor. Wow. Or therapist. Getting themselves involved in the softest science of all. The human brain. The pseudoist of sciences, as they like to call it. So, yeah, I mean, I would not be surprised if he is someone under witness relocation and decided he was going to be a counselor and printed himself out a certificate. Well, he is wearing that sweater vest, and that would convince anybody. It's either that or he's like a serial killer hiding. But I also don't want to try and have too many serial killers in this episode because we're up to... Well, if Louise is a Republican, she's basically a sociopath. And then uh, you think Mort, you're convinced Mort is a serial killer you started the mort train i mean maybe you implanted that idea in my head i just watered it it's all my fault it's all my fault the episode got a 7.6 rating out of 10 on imdb which is the roughly the average episode rating back to you bob so the opening gags for this episode we have the store next door magnum gi colonoscopies clear reference to magnum pi who we were talking about his actor last week oh yeah tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. And his beautiful mustache that yep. Jimmy Pesto doesn't have. I'm pretty sure you have to wear a mustache net if you're going to be doing colonoscopies, though. <laughs> Yikes. You've yeah. never had a colonoscopy? No. Just wait. You're going to get older. We'll see. I've seen someone get one. How'd that go? Oh, maybe not. No, sorry. Not a colonoscopy. I've seen someone get an enema. Oh, so you weren't a live studio audience for a colonoscopy? No. Oh. That's how you get junior mints inside of you. Because <laughs> people just keep whipping them in the tube? Yeah, that's what exactly what happens in the Seinfeld episode is someone is getting surgery and they open up the operation chamber. And I think it's George 
or maybe Kramer. Sounds like a Kramer thing. And they're eating Junior Mints during the surgery. And like one slips out of their hands and lands in the guy's body. And I don't think the doctors notice it. He gets stitched back up. Ugh, yeah. Gross. I'm minty. As we continue this saga to the end of the season, we have Rats All Folks. Still. Yep. It's probably going to be the whole season. They only have one episode left, but they don't change it now. That'd be really funny if they changed it on episode 13, though. That'd be amazing. I wouldn't put it past them. We'll find out. We'll, let's stay let's stay surprised let's stay surprised until next week we open up the show on the wonder wharf which is nice to see more and more of the exterior of the restaurant and seeing more of the town you actually see tons of tons of people walking around and everyone's getting ready for a lobster fest part of the opening there there is a guy who is wheeling around a box that looks very big and says fragile on it where the arrow is pointing at himself instead of up oh you think gene's in there <laughs> why would gene be in there so we could fall down another set of stairs. Oh, <laughs> I was more thinking it was like a commentary on his fragile self-esteem or fragile human psyche. That is so clever. I love it. His fragile human masculinity. Probably one of the best taglines of any fest. Get your bib on. Just think that's great. Yep. Because of course you do have to eat lobster with a bib. Have you ever had lobster before? I don't think I have. Have you ever had crab? Have you ever had any sort of shellfish that you then just basically dip in a vat of butter? I'm sure I've had crab, but all of that always seemed like high effort food that I just didn't have the energy for. That's true. I can see that. It's like if I can't eat the shell, I'm not going to eat it. Yeah. That's fair. The same problem I have with bananas. <laughs> I'm no Mabimbam boy. What you're saying is that bananas aren't appealing? Oh. Uh... And you'd rather split than eat one? <laughs> I have had lobster several times. It is in varying tastes of goodness. One of my favorite lobster experience. Oh no, cra crab? One of them. Oh no, it was crab because I made fun of it a lot because I hate crabs. To me, crabs are just ocean spiders and I don't like spiders. So there's an association. And I was in Seattle one year. We went to this place called the Crab Pot. It was crab. <laughs> And they do that thing where they put all this stuff in a giant pot and they put a plastic sheet in front of you and then they pour the food out and then you eat with your hands. You're making a face. So bas basically... Table trough? Yeah. And it's like uh, little like corn on the cobs and chopped up uh, andouille sausage. Baby corn? Not quite baby corn. It's like, like a husk of corn or a cob of corn that's like cut into three. Enough you can put it in your hand. And then there were mussels and clams and so much crab. And you get a mallet, so you get to smash the shit out of it and then shove it in your face. I honestly felt like Henry VIII. He just, which also harkens back to the time that I went to medieval times and got to eat chicken with my fingers. Ah, uh, off with their head. That's not, that is Henry VIII. Nailed it. Yeah, he killed so many of his wives. So needless to say, I really like getting messy with food and eating with my hands. <laughs> I've had lobster many times and really the butter makes all the difference. Did you feel like Henry VIII or one of Henry VIII's wives who beat him with a hammer? He never got beaten with a hammer. He should have, though. I thought he died from hammer. No, he died from, like, being fat and bloated and disgusting. Gout. Probably. So one of the things to kind of keep in mind, too, is in the opening uh, episode, you do see someone dressed up as a lobster or later mentioned shrimp with a plus sign on their back and a medic. It's nice to have that sort of, like, foreshadowed in the opening of the episode. Foreshadow. And then we go into the restaurant and we hear the weatherman talk about how there was a tropical storm, but that it should breeze right past the town. No problem. And then he makes the best joke. If you hear thunder, it's just my stomach growling. Oh. 
Bob actually says the best line after that. He says, stop pimping Lobster Fest. <laughs> and start primping Lobster Fest. And start primping for Lobster Fest. And then he like licks, a, Gene licks his fingers and smooths his eyebrows. Like, you know those cool guys used to do in like the 1950 movies? They'd go, eh, and then do like the, I don't know how any girl would be charmed by that. I mean, if you curl them up as a little like mustache curls on your eyebrows, that'd be pretty cool. No, yikes. Absolutely not. There's someone who does that. I'm trying to remember what movie that is, but it definitely shows up in some sort of a movie. Twirling eyebrow mustache guy. Mustache eyebrow guy. Bob says, no fun being a burger man in a seafood town. The more that I read that and the more that I hear that, that is Bob's Burger musical opening number. It's that line and then it breaks out into song where he laments about being the burger man in the sea town. The lights drop and there's a single spotlight over him and it starts to snow. It's so hard to be a burger man in a seafood town. Exactly. And there's lots of dancing shrimp. Yep. And then dancing burgers and maybe they get into like a rumble in the background. Oh, that would be awesome. That'd be so good. Plus he's then he says he's allergic. To which Linda says, no, you're not. How do you know not your husband's allergic to shrimp? I guess they don't go out for dinner ever. Even less to a place that serves lobster. That's fair. And then he mentions the first date. And she goes, yeah, you were a nervous wreck. And really what was happening is he was having an allergic reaction. He, was gone, he had gone into anaphylactic shock. Yup. That's pretty wild. I think that's the first time we hear that really, like, sultry song, too. Oh, yeah. We hear it a lot in this episode at very not appropriate times. Yup. But it's good. I, I'm into it. It might not be the first time. I need to sample that as well. Well, Bob and Linda are having their argument. The kids are pouring over something on one of the tables in the restaurant. And... <laughs> We're like two minutes into this episode. Another banger. What are you kids looking at over there? Nothing, just pictures of people doing it. And then he goes, oh, wait a minute. That's not porn. That is my quote of the episode. Wait, that's not porn. Yeah. So he was more mad at the fact that it's a lobster fest brochure than it is pornography. I guess that means that Bob is sex positive, which I'm super into. But also, your three children are looking at porn together in your restaurant. That's open yeah I, I think it's more he's more lobster negative than he is porn negative <laughs> that he's sex positive he's just lobster negative this is fucked up math let's move on yep the kids want to go to the lobster fest tina asks if they can finally go bob says absolutely not and louise brings up all the fun stuff that's happening so there's the unveiling of the world's largest butter vat the coronation of the lobster queen in the court of lovely lobster maidens and my favorite which is entertainment by john van horden and the music extrusions fun fact both of those are real john van horden john van horden is a music band yeah and looks pretty much like he does in the cartoon and the extrusions are also a real band oh that's really cool do you think they guest starred i didn't say in the trivia on the wikipedia i don't think they actually had any lines so they may have just given approval for their likeness their likeness and then maybe like music in the background maybe because they do kind of sing yeah they sing on stage for two seconds for two seconds and then they do an acoustic number in the restaurant during the party they really whack that tambourine (laughs) tambourine tambourine Tambourine. (laughs) bob tells gene that he was actually conceived to a jvh song 
Gene plans to return the favor. Yikes. I mean, it's kind of cute. Return the favor how? Well, the, just that he is also going to conceive somebody listening to... That's how I took it, because I didn't want to think about any other option. Good. All right. Um, leave it at that. Returns Hugo. Good old Hugo, our health inspector, and his wingman, Ron, comes in with a Lobster Fest poster. And this poster is unreal. It is a lobster wearing a bib, holding lobster crackers in his lobster claw with a big smile on his face. Is there a lobster in front of him? No. So he's about to eat himself. Woof. He's going to consume himself or he is a cannibal or seafood cannibal. I don't know what the equivalent would be. Sandable. <laughs> Seatable. Canobster. Oh, yeah, good. Canobster's good. He says that Bob is the only restaurant that doesn't have the sign up. None of us is surprised by that. Nope. Hugo says that he has to put a sign up because it's martial law and he's the grand marshal of the lobster fest. That's not what martial law is. It's a very good line. It is very good. Hugo's got some real good bangers in this episode, I have to say. In this episode, he is borderline likable. That's he's got the backup of everybody who's helping him out. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But he just seems like he's not the Bob adversary. He's kind of the side plot in this episode or side character. Not necessarily really plot related that much at all. I don't know. He comes in to save the day at the end. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Linda comments on what a fancy sash it is. And again, we talk talked about this last episode about Linda being such a cheerleader for people. So even here, she's cheering Hugo on. She also says that he looks like Sissy Spacek from Carrie. I don't know who that is, but also I think that's what the noise was from last week's episode where Bob was seeing red. Yeah, could be. That was the Carrie sound effect and suddenly red everything. So I wonder, because sometimes what happens, right, is when they're doing animated shows, they like change the order of the episodes because they're not sequential, like storyline wise. It's not like Westworld where they're going to put the last episode first or the third episode 10th or you're not going to get confused so i wonder if lobster fest originally came before and then that was like a reference back to that oh probably because otherwise it doesn't kind of make sense i mean yeah he's angry but but i guess for hugo it wouldn't have made sense for him to hate bob and then be helpful in one episode yeah it's a little bit weird so maybe that's why they swapped it yeah anyways we'll never know mysteries you've never seen the movie carrie i don't think so it is a 1976 film based off of the writings of stephen king aren't all things based off the writings of stephen king i mean probably he's written about seventeen thousand books yeah just barricades himself in a outlook hotel and just writes for (laughs) a year and then slowly reveals them it's an email hotel what he said outlook (laughs) the hotel from the shining is the overlook dang it as we discuss in episode two crawl space go listen to our other episodes listeners yeah plug shameless plug shameless plug carrie funnily enough was one of the first grown-up horror books i ever read when i was younger grade six seven i was reading good old rl stein and mr christopher pike who was the sexy version of rl stein it was, ah shirtless werewolves yeah but pretty much and lots of like vampires and basically sex without having sex in the books which was always disappointing they dry humped all <laughs> more or less <laughs> and then uh, i was getting tired of reading those books over and over again and my brother let me borrow carrie carrie is about a teenage girl who is ostracized by her school and bullied because she is ultra religious or at least her mom is ultra religious she is bullied and at some point she acquires telepathic and telekinetic powers the girls in her school bully her so bad they arrange that she's prom queen and then dump pig's blood on her and then she murders everybody the end 
the end. So that's the, you'll, I mean, I know they've referenced it in The Simpsons. Lots, I've seen lots of references at basically everywhere. The chick in the prom dress with blood all over her in a bucket. That's scary. This is also won an Oscar for that role. I'm kidding, she did not. She should have. You haven't even seen the movie! I can't be supportive of <laughs> women in the workplace. <laughs> In your workplace? In general workplace. As an actor in the 1970s? Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. As part of the biz, I say <laughs> more women. <laughs> okay. So Bob tries to plead with Hugo. As a health inspector, you must know how disgusting lobsters are. They're bottom feeders and they eat garbage all day. And Hugo's killer line, so then they must eat here. Kaboom. Yeah, huge. Loved it. Uh, and then he goes in your face, and then he goes, and now in your window, and then he puts up the poster. Another good singer. I mean, he's got a third singer coming up in two seconds. It's true. They put up the poster, and Hugo and Ron make their exit. Let's make like a lobster and get the shell out of here. That's very good. Bob, of course, immediately tears down the poster. He doesn't want anything to do with this lobster fest. And then Mort and Teddy come in. Bob initially seems very grateful that they're there. Ah, oh, my favorite customers. And Mort and Teddy say they're not eating because they're trying to save their appetite for lobster fest. You know, if it was me, even if I wasn't planning on eating a burger, I'd take one to go. But you're gonna eat lobster all day. Burger's all still fine all night. All weekend? Save for Monday. Why wouldn't you just come in for Monday and buy a burger when it's fresh? Because I know my friend is having a tough time with lobster fest. I don't know if they know he's having a tough time with it. Oh, uh, maybe. Although, if it happens every year, you would think that Teddy and Mort would know. Yeah, or at least just not come in and bug him during that day. Yeah, that's true. Teddy wants to show off his new lobster cracker, which is made out of titanium and has butter-resistant grips. Yeah, that was cool. Apparently, it's the butter cracker that they used in space. Bob goes, why would they take a butter cracker into space? And he goes, but it says on the box. And then Teddy realizes that he's been swindled. Yeah. Do you remember how much he pays for it? 49 bucks. $49 for a lobster cracker. You know, I hope more stuff goes into space just so they can put it on the box. Because space is pretty cool. Yeah, space is dope. I hope the James Webb Space Telescope is doing okay. It just makes me think of like the Mars rover that like sings happy birthday to itself. Oh, so cute. Yeah, why should have to sing happy birthday to themselves on their birthday? But it is very cute. Bob says that they don't celebrate Lobster Fest or the kids do because Mort asks them if they're going to get to crack their own lobster this year. And they don't celebrate Lobster Fest like Jewish people on Christmas or Jewish people for Jesus on Hanukkah. That's the same thing. No. No? Jewish people for Jesus. Yeah. Jewish people. Oh, my Jewish people do believe in Jesus, not God. The Jewish people believe in Jehovah, which is their specific sect of... Of God and Jesus was not the Messiah in the Jewish Bible. Okay, do we actually know this for a fact? Yes. Okay. But Hanukkah and Christmas take place in this similar timeline. Okay, well, Jean's just, yes, I guess it's the same thing. It should have been like Christians on Hanukkah, right? Yes, that would have worked, yeah. All right. And then Teddy also adds, or like me at a lesbian bar. Last night, I went to a lesbian bar and watched hockey. It was like I was invisible. And for a moment, he actually seems happy about that. And then he looks really sad because no one was paying attention to him because no lady wanted to pay attention to him that sounds about right we go to wagstaff honestly it's my probably one of my favorite locations in the whole show oh yeah i love school antics and uh, miss lebons is asking the kids what is the delicious paste that pancreas makes in lobsters oh i sure hope this isn't a trivia question later <laughs> wink 
It is tomale. Apparently it is a real thing. A green sludge that comes out of the organs of a lobster. The word sludge does not make it sound delicious. It also doesn't look delicious, so... Does it look like just like a squeezed out zit or something? Yeah, it's like <laughs> green sludge mask. Okay, we got stop, 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 stop. I'm gonna Ralph, I'm gonna Ralph, I'm gonna Ralph, I'm gonna Ralph. And I'm yeah. gonna wig him. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? This actually might be my favorite line in the episode. Louise puts her hand up and as Miss LeBond's, our family doesn't observe lobster fest and should be excused from your class and or given an A. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) It's the good night part. It's so good. Like she was going to Oscar Fest. (laughs) And then Miss LeBond says, I don't say this very often, but if everyone else does it, you should too. Yikes. Yeah. And then Mr. Franz runs in and says the the storm has been upgraded to a hurricane uh, and it can hit the town at any moment. Good thing we have an emergency plan. It's called... Talking it through. I just feel like he needed to do that, pull the chair out, put his foot on the chair, and then pensive elbow to the knee. Let's talk it out. I would have gone backwards chair and really... Ooh! ooh. Let's wrap. Oh, (laughs) very dangerous minds. He needs a leather coat for that. He asks if anyone wants to bring up anything that they've done that might have caused the storm. He specifically singles out this kid named Nicholas, who also knew what the tomale was. Oh, I didn't notice that he was the one who answered the tomale question. Yeah, so like that kid's riding high on being correct and then Mr. Fran comes in and absolutely crushes his soul. Basically what elementary school is, right? Yep. So <laughs> Nicholas, do you want to mention that thing that you told me in confidence? Again, this is a counselor in a school who's now telling a kid to tell everyone the things that he has shared in confidence. And what is that thing? Rubbing his genitals on the couch. Yikes. I mean, hey man, he's a kid. He's doing doing his thing. He's figuring it out. Big mouth, he's rubbing himself all over pillows. Yeah, which come to life. They, they do. They have at least voices and eyes and mouths. Anyways, we're not going to talk about that. That's a different podcast. <laughs> it's a podcast in the podcast in the work. So it's not. After this. Could be. Send us an email. Tell us you want us to do a Big Mouth episode by episode uh, recap to ultimatetabletopnetwork at gmail.com. Nailed it. Louise screams at us, we're all going to die because of you. And then we cut to the weatherman who says, this is weather only a lobster could love. And that lobster fest is off. You know, weather manning is more an art than a science i thought it was just a lot of pointing on a green screen (laughs) he also says this weatherman is getting his bib off bob runs outside and starts screaming at the sky where's your ugly red sea bug god now and then he's telling screaming at linda that it'd be crazy for them not to sell burgers during the storm he really needs to stop fighting x-men or at least challenging them to fights oh storm yep he is also challenging hugo jackman aka the wolverine Oh my god. Boo. Boo. (laughs) While he's outside screaming, a tree branch is lightning zapped off a tree. The power lines fall. The power goes out. And then he is assaulted by wind chimes. His number two enemy. His number two enemy after Pesto. Yep. So you would go Pesto, wind chimes, Hugo. Hugo Jackman, yes. Hugo Jackman. The Wolverine. Yep. The health inspectorine. And then everyone starts coming into the restaurant. First we see Gretchen and this is where we meet Gretchen who is Linda's hairdresser and is way too much she is a lot but it's great Bob says welcome your highness 
princesses. And then instead of being the royal lobster queen, he calls them royal cows. Yeah, his brain got scrambled by those wind chimes. Yeah. Another great joke. Linda, do you still work at that cop bar? No, there was a groping incident. I I apologize, but they fired me anyways. Good job, Gretchen. Yep. People just keep pouring in and asking about the beer, asking about burgers, asking if they can hang out. Asking about the atmosphere. Asking about the atmosphere. Yeah. Teddy kind of makes a comment that it's going to be like a party situation up in here. And then Linda goes to check onto the kids they've previously sent down to the basement. Linda tells them to stay down there. Obviously, because she doesn't want the kids dealing with parental shenanigans. Also setting up for Fallout 5, new children on the block. New children on the block. And Tina says that's fine because she's already set up a bathroom in that corner. And then Jean says, well, I've already set up a bathroom in that corner. Oh my God, we have two bathrooms. Well, I mean, four corners. That's one bathroom for each kid and then one for pooping. Why would you pee in every corner? They don't want to cross the streams. Linda says they have to stay down there in case they have to repopulate the earth. Yeah. And they're all like, ew. And they're like, no, with other kids that stayed in other basements. We cut back up to upstairs where there is John Van Horten unplugged session happening. You see Hugo and Ron standing outside in the rain. And poor Ron's big poofy hair is all deflated. That was sad. Yeah. Linda tries to encourage them to let them in. Bob initially wants nothing to do with it, but says that he will if he can show them his pressed hams, which is basically him just pulling down his pants and pressing his butt cheeks up against the glass. You ever press a ham at somebody? I've wounded lots of people. Yeah, I don't know if I've pressed up against the glass, though. I'm sure I have. What about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. Get those butt cheeks out there. Oh, yeah. All right. Press these ham flapsies, that (laughs) window dressing. Oh, my God. So they come in, and then the next thing you see Hugo and Ron covered in napkins, and they're like, sorry, we used up all your napkins. If he had cloth napkins, that would have solved the problem. It's true. Like, we already talked about this, right? He's wasting money. He's throwing money away. Hugo gets quite upset. You know, Lobster Fest is ruined he's so alone nothing seems to be going his way and then gretchen comes up and says hey bob looks me and the girls were thinking of having a wet gown costume wanna put up a prize uh how about a towel and she laughs it's a pretty good joke do you think she's laughing or she's sarcastic laughing no i think she's laughing look i don't want gretchen to be my everyday gal but when i want to have like a wild ass time th- that's who i'm calling oh yeah bob introduces hugo and gretchen and points out his sash and points out that he's a food sheriff because he's the health inspector which i really like yeah that was very funny i loved that and gretchen is very clearly flirting with him she makes a comment about his sash can you take it off and he's like well, I have to because I have to dry clean it and return it by Monday. And then, yeah, she asks him if he has a gun. And instead, he has a thermometer, which he shows Gretchen. And she enjoys his unsafe temperatures. She really enjoys it. And we get that sultry music again. And then she says, I like my pork pink. Ugh. Like, holy moly. And downstairs, Tina is working on her mating list, to which Jean is not very supportive. It sounds like a lot of them are either gay or are mythical creatures or are both. I'm picturing uh, uh, Legolas's being a mythical creature. Oh, yeah, maybe. I was probably thinking some sort of unicorn. Well, what I was kind of thinking is because he says the first couple are gay. I imagine they're like actors. And then mythical creature is a unicorn. And then gay mythical creature is that actor as a unicorn. (laughs) I like the last one. He looks at it. He's like, huh, good luck, honey. (laughs) 
Louise points out that they should be looting and encourages everyone to sneak out. I guess they snuck out because everyone's busy partying because I don't think there's an exit from the basement. It doesn't matter. They get out of the house and Louise says that they should be looting and grab anything that isn't tied down. This was going to be a trivia question. Remember all the things that they scream out that are free? Oh, I do. They find a brick, a phone number, a seaweed, a plywood. And then there was another one that I can't remember. No, that's all of them. Oh, and then a lot. Oh, free quarters. Quarters, that's it. Did you know that it's actually dangerous to be in a basement during a hurricane? Really? During a hurricane, you must stay as far above sea level as possible in case a storm surge flooding. It would be safer for the kids to be in their rooms than the basement. But they're more likely to escape their rooms. That's also very true. Not that it stopped them in any way, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Jean finds a free brick. Tina finds free quarters and a payphone. She also finds free seaweed, which she uses as a boa. Gene finds free numbers on a missing dog poster. And then he finds free plywood, which the wind immediately blows him away. Yeah. Whee! Whenever me and my family used to go on the ferry, we would wear our big coats so that we could kite our way around during the big windy parts of the ferry. Oh, that's kind of, that's funny. That's good. We go back to the restaurant and the register won't open and Linda can't keep track of the IOUs. Bob decides that everyone is his friends and friends don't charge. So it's free burgers. He is drunk in his own crapulence. Lobster Fest is dead. Bobster Fest killed it. And then everyone starts chanting Bobster Fest. The kids decide to give up on looting. Looting is hard. Tina thinks she's getting loot glutes. And Louise says the stuff that they've stolen sucks. Lobster fest, more like mobster fest mobster over here. Mobster fest. And then they come across a lobster that just is scurrying along the pavement or sidewalk. Looks like he got himself into some office supplies. <laughs> rubber bands. Tina also says that they should check his collar because he's like a lost pet, which I love. Louise, of course, encourages Gene to take off the rubber bands and then immediately starts pinching him and he's running around. In fact, during the whole next part of the conversation between Louise and Tina, he's flailing in the background, screaming as this thing is pinching the shit out of him. I always thought a pet lobster would be awesome. Why? Pinchy? Yep. Oh, pinchy. And also, interesting thing about lobsters, they basically are immortal as long as they're able to shed their shell for their molting season. So theoretically, if it gets so big that it can't do it on its own, you could help it and a lobster would just keep growing bigger and bigger and bigger and older and older and older to basically infinite size. You know that's what I get from Cthulhu, right? Sounds like a win to me. Oh, uh, I mean, sure, fine. Fine. Louise says they're going to eat lobster tonight. And Tina says this goes against everything we were raised to believe in. Louise says not against everything, but it's a start. <laughs> She's like, time to taste the forbidden fruit. Yeah, she is psyched about it. Yeah. She's the one that wanted to go to Lobster Fest. I mean, again, this plays into the pretty consistent, don't tell the kids not to do something because kids then want to do it. Don't jump on the couch. Well, guess what, Mom? The second you're not looking, I'm jumping on that couch. Don't you dare try and go to Princeton, the Ivy League college. Oh, so parents using it as reverse psychology? Yeah. Yeah, okay, maybe. Princeton. We cut to a news report from the weatherman at the party at uh, Bob's. Bob is super drunk and starts crowd surfing. Linda looks furious. And so then he asks everyone to turn him around (laughs) so he doesn't end up where Linda is. Everyone having just a good old time. Squirting ketchup and mustard and just... Stuffing microphones in their pants. Yeah, just trashing the place. And then the next morning, the place is obviously destroyed. Bob thinks they got hit by the hurricane. Linda says, you were the hurricane, you schmuck. (laughs) Bob is hungover. He's like, I don't feel well. Linda, Linda, I don't feel well. And she goes, I can't even look at you. And he goes, oh, my spindle thing got bent. She's like, that's what you notice? 
I love this thing. Yeah, I love this thing. She said that he incited a mob and that he was like, no, no, this is a great business strategy. This is like the handing out free samples again. This is a great strategy. If I feed everyone free beer and burgers, they'll come back because they like me. We are really getting to see why they're broke. Endless shenanigans. But it's good. I would rather them do that, where there's these constant sort of things that, you know, maybe they get the money, but then they're broke because whatever. Then it kind of at least keeps them there, whereas you're kind of at some point in some places you're like, why? He has customers regularly or whatever. I think next season they really get into their financials and show how it all breaks down and works. Or doesn't work. Yep. And Linda has to get a second job or something. Oh, yeah, she ends up working in a grocery store. We go to Louise's room. One of her toy chests is filled with water. Inside is the lobster and a rubber ducky. (laughs) And she goes, we sorted out the issue from last night. Hair dryer plus waffle iron plus toaster equals boiling water. I think the issue from last night was they didn't have electricity. Oh, maybe. Oh, but there was electricity in the restaurant. I don't think so. Was there? Yeah, there was lights on. I thought they had flashlights and candles and stuff. Uh, Gas grill. Oh, yeah. So how do we kill it before we boil it, Jean asks. We teach him to drive and wait for him to get into an accident. Uh, I don't, that might be my favorite line. <laughs> that is just so unexpected. Jean wants to hire an assassin. And then Louise tells him, no, you just have to boil it alive. It's interesting that uh, Louise knows all this stuff. I don't know if it's because she had to sit through that class with Miss LeBons. Oh, probably. That makes sense. Or if, you know, again, Louise just knows horrible things, like to kill a lobster, you have to boil it. Did her research for this excursion yeah i mean it might have been in the pamphlet too Gina says that she didn't want her first time eating lobster to be her sitting in a dark room with toilet paper around her neck because they have toilet paper bibs she wanted it to be special i love her flash forward yeah her flash forward to tina and jimmy jr's wedding so they feed each other lobsters instead gene goes yeah that wasn't the way that i imagined either and his is backstage at a concert and he's wearing this wild outfit that I think might even make someone like Elton John jealous. I was going to say, that's very Piano Manny. Piano Manny. And they say they're ready for you in the hot tub. And then he basically strips half of it off and jumps into a hot tub and just starts eating lobster with the shell on. Well, he can't take the other half off because then he has to sit down and take off his platform boots. <laughs> Fair enough. My favorite, though, is probably Louise's. Louise's estate prison. Her prisoner number is one, two, three, four, five. The judge in the courtroom scene is the same judge from the courtroom scene from Sacred Cow. Oh. Fun fact. So Bob and (laughs) Louise have the same fantasy judge? Oh, that's a little strange, but kind of cool. Genetic, maybe it's genetics that get passed down from genetics. Genetic judge fantasies. (laughs) She's going to pay a super price for her super crimes. Yep. And they ask her if her dinner is, if she's satisfied with her dinner. It'll do just fine in a pinch. And then she uses the lobsters to escape. Yep. Whips the pinchers straight in the eyeballs and smashes her way out a window. Yeah, it's pretty good. That is my favorite line in the episode. In a pinch. Just the whole sequence. It is very good. It's very good. And then Tina emphasizes again that she doesn't want to give in to peer pressure and Jean says that they should release the lobster back to the soup at Margaret from whence he came. Then there's a little whoopsie and it ends up in the pot anyway. Yeah. Louise initially says this is the one that's going to get away. Oh, whoops. Guess we're eating lobster tonight. Too much butter on our hands. <laughs> Picked herself a batch of whoopsie daisies on that one. Well, and then once Tina says we're having lobster tonight, Jean just immediately says it's meant to be. And then Louise says, when you get married, just pretend this is her first time eating lobster. Lobster Fest is on. The Hurricane Storm, other X-Men names, Nightcrawler, Cyclops has passed. Storms and X-Men. I know. 
I made that joke earlier. I know, I'm just, I'm trying to run with it. Okay. I'm trying to tether the episode together with jokes. This Wolverine of a hurricane has moved on. <laughs> Jean Grey. The Jean Grey skies have cleared up. <laughs> That's excellent. Okay. That's X-Menolent. Okay, <laughs> stop. Cyclops. <laughs> um... So Lobster Fest is on. They have a giant butter that is made up of every available stick and pat of butter. Now a pat of butter is the one that you'd get at Denny's or any place else to put on your toast or pancakes. Little butter cubes. Little butter cubes. Well, the ones that are on like in the, you peel the top and it looks whipped, whipped butter. Yep. But they've shaped it into a giant Julia Child, which I think is strange. Not that strange. Julia Child was a famous TV chef. What? I've never heard of her before. Me neither, until I looked her up. Oh, I'm kidding. I know who Julia Child was. Oh. I've seen the movie Julia and Julia, which is a movie all about Julia Child. Meryl Streep plays her. Oh. It's an actual movie, my bro. Oh, I thought you were talking about Julio and Julia. No. The one about people who have to dress up as ladies to escape the Nazis, I think. Oh, like the one that the Grandpa Simpson reference one? Yeah. Oh. I don't know what it's called. Oh, that's Victor Victoria. Ah. Victor Victoria! Julio, Julio, what am I thinking? Julio, Julia, escape the Nazis and have a coconut titty. <laughs> Max is going to be so mad that you're loud in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to be mad? Max. Who's Max? Max Power. <laughs> Who's, Who's Max? My stepdad? Yeah. Oh, he doesn't listen to the episodes. He did. And then he was upset that you were so loud. He told me to quiet you down in the episode. Oh, okay. Well. I think your mom played it for him uh, at one point. <laughs> Victor! Victoria! Stop invading my private time, Max. Go listen to something else. <laughs> Bob starts pleading with everybody to help him out because the place is trash. The front glass of the restaurant has been smashed and there's a mailbox inside. He sees Teddy and Mort <laughs> dressed to the gills. Dressed to the shells. Ooh. In lobster gear. I am particularly very fond of their lobster hats. Dressed to the tamales. Bob asked them, you're not going to Lobster Fest, are you? No, it's fucking laundry day, Bob. Like, what did you expect? <laughs> he goes, help me out. Help me clean the restaurant. And he goes, there's a mailbox in my restaurant. And Mort hands him a letter and goes, hey, can you mail this? That letter looks a thousand percent like a 2011 Netflix DVD. It's very possible. Also, I didn't realize it at first until multiple viewings later. By mailbox... My brain went to little mailbox, like a house mailbox. No, it's a full-blown outside mailbox. Yeah. I was like, why didn't Bob move that himself? That's like two pounds. Just whoop it out the window. What? A U.S. mailbox? No, no. The little mailbox. Like, he could have whooped that out the oh, window yes, until yeah, the yeah. next viewing. Is like, oh. And then you see the big one. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he sees Hugo and Gretchen. Hugo says he's very busy. He has to judge bowls of bisque. And he goes, well, you guys broke the baby changing table. <laughs> Sure did. Uh, they sure did. Gretchen tells Hugo to give him a citation. Then they start talking about civic authority in a very sexy way. Baby likes civic authority. <laughs> I'll show baby some civic authority. So everyone basically blows him off. The kids eat their lobster and Jean immediately has an allergic reaction. I love this. This was super called out to by Bob's allergic reaction earlier. Yeah. 
and then the uh, talking about it and making a point about it. It wasn't just kind of out of nowhere. Yeah, showing that he has one, so then it's obviously genetics. I also how like like how Gene's face all ballooned up from the lobster looked like Teddy's face from Bed and Breakfast when he has all the bugs humping his face. Wow, these guys are very good at ballooning faces. <laughs> but that's just how Gene always looks. <laughs> <laughs> Louise wants to sit on him and see if he pops. Yeah. And then we see Louise later again trying to squeeze his head and she says, pop! And he says, I'm trying to. Jean's adorable. Tina, of course, is the voice of reason and suggests they go to the med tent at the Lobster Fest, which they probably only know exists because of the brochure. This episode's excellent. And we know exists because there was a lobster walking around with a cross on That's why I brought it up at the beginning of the episode. We've come full circle, baby. Full lobster tail, baby. Full Circle of life. It's the circle of shells. Circle of lobster. Bob climbs up onto the stage. I don't know how he was allowed to just walk on stage, by the way. There's usually like security guards and stuff. Particularly if you have a band like the John Van Horton band on stage. With a music extrusion. Yeah, man. You don't just let some old blow, just old Joe Blow, wander on the stage. A little wobbly bobbly. <laughs> a little wobbly bobbly. And he basically asks everyone for help. He goes, what happened to Bobster Fest? And then the kids show up. He goes, what's wrong with Gene? He goes, yeah, he always looks that way. He's like, no, that's an allergic reaction. You ate lobster. And look at my son. This is what happens with your disgusting food fetish. I like that Louise is playing the lawyer again. My client refuses to answer that question. <laughs> yeah, always. It's not food. I guess it's still food court. Oh. Related to lobster. Food court is in session. We see our favorite local officers, Officer Julia and Cliffany. <laughs> Bob says, you trash my restaurant, I'm going to trash your lobster fest. And immediately tries to attack the giant vat. Yeah, what was his plan with that? Like, was he going to push, push it, it over, over and then it's like filled that? Because that's filled with hot boiling water. Yeah. What are you going to do? Burn everybody, Bob? Melt off their flesh? Maybe he's a serial killer. I mean, premise of the series where they were going to be cannibals. That's true. That's true. Maybe they've always been. Maybe they said that they were cannibals and then said, nah, I decided not to do that. But really, they still are. Could be, could be. Bob then threatens to put his big hairy toe in the huge pot of Julia child butter. Yeah, that is rough. The animators went way out of their way to make Bob's foot look extra weird. Yeah. Like that second toe sticking out really far. It's like a Ren and Stimpy close-up gross-up. Oh, God, those are, I remember those. Those were so awful. <clears throat> yeah, those were the absolute worst, 100%. Just a big foghorn. <laughs> Officer Julia says, put your foot back in your sock slowly. I'm authorizing myself to use my new beanbag gun to subdue you. And it's like a shotgun. I don't think beanbag guns are shotguns. Are they? I've never seen one before. Maybe. I always picture them like a compressed air gun. Yeah. This was definitely like a pump action shotgun. Anyways, it looks hilarious. And she's mm -hmm. pointing it at Bob. Those things probably hurt a lot. Uh, yeah. People have died from getting shot with beanbags. And so, then we see Linda making her way through the crowd... Linda is sweet as peaches. She's asking everyone to excuse her to get to the top of the stage. Bob keeps telling her she doesn't have to move forward, that he can hear her. And she tells Bob that he's not a bottom feeder. He's a burger man. And that seems to make him change his ways. I'm a burger man. I'm a burger man. And see, and again, if this was a musical, this is where you'd go into the reprise of that first song, but it would be slightly changed, which happens in every musical. I'm a burger man, and this is my burger plan. I'm gonna be the one who stands up against the man. Against the lobster fans. 
Ooh, very good. Unfortunately, Bob's had a change of heart. Linda has mended his burger ways. <laughs> mended but- his cracked shell. <laughs> but the beanbag goes off and shoots him, and he falls into the butter anyways. Ugh. Everyone starts screaming that the butter has been contaminated, and then there's a Julia Child butterhead jump scare, which I thought was great. <laughs> Very terminatory. <laughs> yeah. Bob asked everyone, can't you eat lobster without butter? It brings out the umami, jerk. <laughs> it's true. It does. It makes it taste better. But to be fair, butter makes everything taste better except mushrooms, as we learned last episode. Mm. I mean, taste better, but not feel better. No, it still didn't taste good. Ah. Everyone says to throw them into the shell pile, and they start chanting shell pile. This, like, felt very much like burn her for, like, witches. Yeah. And he is very allergic. That would get him good. And it's very sharp. Yep. They really emphasize the pointy sharpness because you're just cracking open those shells, right? So Shell shards. Shell shards. Yikes. So Linda says, you opened his heart last night and you boiled it alive like a lobster. One of the guys yells out, the guy on the stilts yells out, you're just making us hungrier. I'm pretty sure I spotted marbles in the, or not marbles, uh, cha-cha in the crowd. Yes. Yeah, Chacha's in the background, which is cool. I like that they reused characters. Mm-hmm. And the uh, woman who wanted to eat human flesh. Pops up a lot. Which is weird, because didn't, like, the wild experience, wild adventures, like, drive into town? I, it looked like they were on a senior's bus. Oh, okay, yeah, fair. Okay, fair. Ron is the voice of reason. He tells Hugo, or gently nudges Hugo to intervene. And then mentions that Bob was his wingman. Wingman. We, we get an amazing wingman song, which... As you just sang it now, totally made me think of Dayman from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh my god, probably. Wingman. Flying with the eagles. Keeper of the lobsters. Wingman. 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 (laughs) And then we cut back to Hugo and Ron, and Ron's actually just been singing it, (laughs) which I think was great. And Hugo steps up, man, to help out. During that song, though, there was some great visuals. Okay, yeah, lay on me. During his wingman song, they flash back to the party where Bob was using his Burger of the Day chalkboard to really lay down the steps of what's happening to Hugo, and then the process of sex. How Hugo has become a real boy. Yep. A real wooden boy. Uh... Yeah, it's true. There's like a chalkboard of a, a lady figure with giant toddies, and there's like arrows pointing everywhere. Doesn't she have big boobs? Hugo does step up and says, As someone once called me, I'm a bit of a food sheriff. Uh, he's like, I'm going to use my dairy purity spectrometer to test the butter to see if it's something that they can still eat after Bob's fallen into it. That sounds like a thing that I would just pull anything out of my pocket and dip it in and say that's what it was. I mean, I'm a thousand percent think that's what happened. But he gets so intricate with his answer. Yeah, but that he's a health inspector. Yeah. So he can. That's he can talk about, no one knows if it's a C food or B food or D food or whatever. A plus plus food. So he maybe made it up. I don't think dairy purity spectrum or not spectrometers exist uh gene gets stabbed with an EpiPen. to be fair i'm gonna just be real with you if he was having that bad of an allergic reaction gene would be dead oh yeah like his throat would have swollen up so fast yeah 
I'm glad he's not, because he's my favorite character, at least yep. right now. And so, but I'm just saying, I just want people to know, don't f*** around with EpiPens. If you're having a bad reaction, like, get it sorted out. Yep. Don't don't wander around. Uh, Tina says, you're a handsome shrimp. You're, you've just risen to the top of my list of people I would mate with when the world ends. Can I have your email? You know, he sensibly says no. Yeah, because he looks like an adult. Yep, also, his email was probably lobster OFA at I wish I could think of something funny.com. <laughs> Hugo does confirm that there are skin flakes, arm hair, and fingernail gunk, I think, all present in the butter. But it's not at a dangerous level. It's a C to D minus grade, which is edible for everyone except babies and people who are immunocompromised. Which turns out is a lot of people. Not in this show, but in real life. Real general life, yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Lobster Fest is saved thanks to Hugo. I 100% think he's lying. But I also want to point out, this butter is melted and sitting on a stage on a pier. Are you going to tell me that seagulls have not flown by and tried to get their faces in this shit? Or maybe haven't taken a poopy in it? Or that bugs haven't fallen in it and died in it? Let's be real, guys. Yeah, this butter's probably gross by now. It is a probably gross butter anyways. How many cats have licked the butter statue? <laughs> So back at the restaurant, Linda says, people are hard on the outside and soft on the inside. Like, 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 um, like a crab. <laughs> yeah. Teddy says that there also needs to be a lobster fest eve tradition where they trust the restaurant. I mean, I get it. I'm sure Bob can capitalize on that with reinforced windows and actually selling burgers. <laughs> like a purge day. Yeah. <laughs> Bob and Jean have this great exchange. Are you sure you didn't eat lobster? And Jean says, no, I'm born like this. And Bob's like, let me pull out a picture to compare. We see this picture of a very lumpy baby Jean. And he's like, hello, gorgeous. Hello, <laughs> <laughs> Jean. And then Hugo and Ron show up. And Linda goes, Gretchen's a bit of a firecracker. A firecracker. Fire tractor. Fire tractor. She likes fire tractors. Gretchen is a bit of a firecracker. <laughs> Go on in all four cylinders, eh? <laughs> Linda says, Gretchen is a bit of a firecracker. Do you, don't you think she's maybe more than you can handle? And then Hugo admits that she broke up with him, saying that he was she was more than he could handle. Ron says it was ugly. Hugo continues, she said it wasn't that my badge was small, but just that I didn't know how to use it. Time for a surprise inspection. Oh, bendy spindle. Shut him down. Shut it down. And that's where we leave the episode. Overall, fantastic episode. Oh, yeah. I like both of the main stories of the Bob versus the Wonder Wharf, Bob versus Lobster Fest, and kids try to eat lobster. Both great stories. The internal conflict of confronting his own bias, man versus God, and the sense of the weather. That's that deep pseudoscience shit again. He went through the hero's journey. <laughs> Robot voice. You know what that sound is? It's time for <gasps> trivia. So as our regular listeners know, we score our trivia on an increasing level of difficulty. So we ask three questions. Question one is worth one point. Question two is worth two points. And question three is worth three points. And there may be a bonus question depending on how badly you do. Oh, thank you. Question numero one. English this time. What? <laughs> Miss LeBons asks the children, what is the delicious paste that a lobster pancreas makes what is it oh is it 
Terraplin? Terraplin? Is that your final answer? Yes. You're gonna get really mad. What? Because it's also the name of a hot and spicy dish, a tomale. Tomale? Dang it. I knew it was a tea something. I should have known that. Question number uh, two. Uh, there are three required answers. Oh, okay. When it comes to Lobster Fest, uh, Louise mentions that there is fun stuff happening. What is the fun stuff? Eating lobster. No. Giant tub of butter. Yes. World's I largest tub of butter. I'll give you that. Crowning the lobster king, queen of the lobster maidens. I mean, close enough. <laughs> I'll give that to you. Okay, so there was the unveiling of the world's largest butter vat. Nice. That Got was that Louise. One. Then Tina mentions the coronation of the lobster queen and her court of lovely lobster maidens. And Gene, of course, being the music man, mentions entertainment by John Van Horden and the music extrusions. I object to this question now. Why? Because you said, what three things does Louise say are the fun things that are happening? No. Yeah. You said just Louise and that confused me. So you would have known all three of those things? Maybe. Do you want me to ask you a different question? No. Are I... you sure? I'll ask you a different question. I'll ask you a different question. I'll ask you a different three-part question. <laughs> when Bob steps outside into the hurricane, what are the three things that could be known as acts of God that happen? Lightning strike causing power outage. Correct. The heavy rain and wind chimes hitting him in the face. Wind chimes! His number two enemy. You only get two for that. I accept that. What was the third one that I missed? The tree branch falls. Tree branch falls. So it's a two-point question, so I'm going to give you one and a half points. Oh, thank you. Listeners, Burger Dog is so cute sitting on our couch. Burger Dog, Burger Dog. It's like having a live studio audience that pays rapt attention to everything we say. What is the name they give the lobster? I'm kidding. They don't give the lobster a name. <laughs> the best I could do is Pinchy, but that's... That's from, from the, the Simpsons. Simpsons. As per this episode, what are three ways that you can kill a lobster? Assassin. Yes, hire an assassin. Uh, teach it how to drive and wait for it to get in a car accident. <laughs> that is correct. It is my favorite line in the whole episode. Oh my god, it's so good. And then the third and most obvious. Boil it. You boil it alive. Yes, ah, correct. Yeah. So you have five and a half. I can accept that. Although you should have gotten less because I had to re-ask you a question. No, it's fine. You get your points. You made a big stink and you got your way, Karen. Oh, I learned it from you. What? I don't have to ask you to ask me different questions because I get my questions right. Uh, check the tapes, you Sherlock. Check, you check the tapes. Don't I, call me Sherlock. I edit. Okay, Watson, then. Femme fatale of Sherlock, whose name I can't remember at the moment from that one movie. Yeah, she's pretty cool. Except she's working for the bad guy, which is unfortunate. Well, that's the fatale part. Because she kills him. Yeah. Nice. So you ready for the burger of the day? No, I want you to tell me what, what tapes I have to play back to know that I have to ask for different questions. Uh, I'm going to say episode 1 through 10. That's not accurate. I've never asked for additional questions. I've asked for bonus questions for bonus points that you have generously given me, but I've never asked you to change your question. That's fair. Yeah, that's right. Take your 5.5 points and stuff it up your butt. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff it up your, what does Bob call them? Hams? Pressing ham. <laughs> your pressed hams. Stuff it up my, up my butt fest. Your butt fest. Oh man, wouldn't that be like a dream for Tina? Okay, let's do the burger of the day. As anyone who has listened knows, we've been reviewing burgers since episode one. We have a 20 point scale, four categories, each having a total of five points apiece to determine how good a burger is. And if you want to cook up some of the burgers of the day for yourself, please check out the description of the podcast for our Amazon affiliate link. Anything you buy from Amazon through our link really helps us out and costs you nothing. So the burger of the day for this episode was the neither fish nor fowl burger. 
But there was also two other burgers of the day. Do you remember what they are? I got them written down. Do you remember what they are? No, I didn't look for them. That's fair. Didn't pay attention this time. <laughs> <laughs> so we have two other burgers, which are the Something's Not Fishy Burger, a reference to the phrase Something's Fishy, and the One Fish, Two Fish, Red Fish Hamburger. Yeah, that's... An Bob, obvious Dr. Sway's reference. Suez. Seuss. Bob really doesn't like fish. Or lobsters in general. Seafood. Yeah. He's a burger man. He's the burger man. All right, how'd you make this burger? This burger, the neither fish nor fowl burger, did not have a recipe in the Bob's Burgers Burger Book. What? I know, right? And everywhere I looked online, everybody had a different recipe and they were all exhaustingly fancy. Some of the ones I saw were make a cup out of beef and put the cheese in there and bake it all together like a bread bowl made of beef. Yeah, because I, I don't want to eat that. And then the rest were things along the lines of, Oh, why don't you make your own buns? Oh, we made sesame basil buns. Oh my goodness. It was more than I was willing to put up with. <laughs> Okay, good. So I made my own burger. Started off with a burger patty, as per usual. Garlic powder, breadcrumbs, an egg, beef. Mush it all together so it gets to be nice patty shapes. Mash them into patty size with my super awesome patty press. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. And then on both sides, when I put them into the oven, 400 degrees, 10 minutes on each side, doing a flip, I put a little squirt of sriracha. So first squirt of sriracha in the oven, did a flip. Another squirt of sriracha on the other side, another 10 minutes in the oven. After that, I melt some uh, nice, nice, nice Kraft Singles cheese on top and toasted up a couple of buns for my best friend partner. Your bun buddy? My best bun buddy. Huh. The burger makings were top bun, ketchup, mustard, onions, pickles for Kim, butter lettuce that we had in the fridge still, processed cheese, burger, bottom bun, with sriracha on both sides of the burger. That is what you did. It sure is. All right, let's get to the categories. The first category is umami, which just means savoriness. It I, sure does. I'm going to give this guy, I'm going to give it a 4.5. Oh. Only because I felt like and we talked about this while we were eating i like the addition of the sriracha sauce because i am a big fan i thought there might have been just like a slight too much i got an intense mouth tingle but if it was just if you just took it down from like a 10 to like a nice seven or eight i feel like it would have been a five my only critique that's fair you know i was gonna give this one a five myself it's like i like the sriracha addition the cheese was good the onions were fine the pitch of mustard was just right i didn't toast my buns so it was a nice soft bun the way i like i was gonna give this one a five on my end i like the toasted bun it was very like traditional american hamburger and that's good for me and i like the pickles the pickles added like a little bit of tartness balance out the sweet ketchup oh yeah i liked it it was good what's the next category the next category we have is mouthfeel i'll give it a five yeah love melted cheese love lettuce love a little bit of red onion just a little pinchy not too much love the toasty bun it added like another texture to it i feel like the sriracha made the burger like crispier i guess because of the sh i'm sure there's sugar and sriracha crisped it up a little bit that and i think i left it in a little longer than usual well and it was a good patty all right crunch the pickles crunch the onion it's good good yeah. mouthfeel i was gonna give it a nice five as well look at you fun. patting yourself on the back somebody's got it right i mean i am i was giving you nine and a half out of ten uh, i'm just gonna say you should be more like tina and pat me on the butt <laughs> As for emotional resonance for our next category, I didn't really have a lot of emotional resonance with this burger. It didn't give me any anger. It was very simple, so it wasn't 
complicated or frustrating. It wasn't, you know, my favorite burger in the world. It, it wasn't like super happy burger time. It was just <laughs> real good. So I'm probably going to give that one a three for me. See, I feel bad that I would give a disgusting mushroom burger a five and then not this one a high mark because overall I really like this burger. So I guess my middle ground is I will also give it a three. And our final category is reeatability. Five. Whoa. I eat that burger all day long. I mean, not really though, because I ate two and I'm really full now, but. Well, just the fact that you ate two immediately and didn't have to scrape things off or like put it on my plate so it went away. To be fair, I was also rewatching this for this, the episode for the second time while I was eating. And so it's a bit slower because I'm like furiously scribbling notes in between bites. But yes, I would eat this burger again. And trying to dodge bites from Burger Dog. The dog who doesn't want my attention until I'm doing something. You know, I will also give this one a five. This one I would eat over and over. Also, I would make this one again because it was so simple and didn't require additional steps aside from trimming onions and trimming pickles. It was spot on, easy burger, easy to make again. Number five for me. Bueno. Good so that, job, burger. Yeah, right? So that puts the burger at 17 and a half for you yeah. and 18 for me. Seven, oh, because I gave it a four and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's pretty. So that's probably our top rated burger so far. Pretty close. Yeah. I think maybe the bacon burger might have slightly more or oh, at yeah. least equivalent. But real, real uh, close. Good job, burger. Yeah. Good job, fish not fowl or not fish. Neither fish nor fowl, 100% beef burger. Good job, burger. Good job, burger. Thank you for listening to License to Grill, brought to you by the Ultimate Tabletop Network. Don't forget to return next week for Season 1, Episode 13, Torpedo Jones! It's also the season finale. It sure is. And if you want to cook up some burgers of the day for yourself, please check out the link in the podcast description. Also, check out our link tree to find all of our socials. Good night, all my bun buddies. Wingman! Rats all, folks. <laughs>